0: <clears throat> All right, so we're continuing in the book of Galatians, and uh, we're calling it uh, Finally Free, Set, Set Free, there we go. <laughs> I did not name this series. <laughs> Good start, Lucas. All right, um, we're calling it Set Free, and uh, the reason is uh, this book is a, it's a, it's a reactionary, polemical book, uh, and Paul is responding to false teachers. He calls them Judaizers, and uh, they, they had infiltrated this Galatian church, and, and they began to teach uh, heresy, and the heresy was... Basically, they, they were Jewish Christians, so they believed in Jesus, but what they believed is that in order for uh, Gentiles to become Christians, they first had to become Jewish. They had to get circumcised, and, and, and as if that was bad enough, they, had, they also had to keep the ceremonial laws, uh, they had to keep the dietary laws, and so on, uh, in order to be saved. So Gentiles couldn't just believe in Jesus, they had to become Jewish in order to be saved. And so Paul was uh, responding to this teaching, and he was say, he said at the very beginning of the book, this is turning the gospel upside down. Uh, it's it's placing conditions to the free offer of the gospel. And uh, so, so Paul is uh, fighting against that. And uh, in, until Galatians 3, Paul had been uh, not only defending himself, but he has also been talking about what he calls this big word justification, uh, which in essence is the entrance into the Christian life. Uh, why uh, do we become Christians? Well, it's because through Christ we are accepted freely. Uh but now in Galatians three, Paul uh, takes takes a, a, a different direction. Uh, he stops focusing on justification as such. He doesn't uh, stop throughout the whole whole letter of Galatians. Uh, but but in this passage, he he talks. He uses this language. If you look here in verse three of being perfected, that is not uh, justification language. That's not about entrance into the into the Christian life. That is about our sanctification. Uh, that is about growth in holiness. So Paul stops talking about, at least in this passage, about justification to now turn, turning to uh, sanctification, or our growth in the Christian life, our being conformed to the image of Christ. And that's what this uh, passage is all centered on. It's being perfected through Jesus Christ. Now the question is, why does he, why does he go from justification now to talking about sanctification? And uh, the reason is this. Uh, Paul has just spent two long chapters speaking about how we are initially saved. And if you listen to his arguments, you'll say, you know what, Paul? I I, I believe you. Uh, Your initial salvation is totally of grace. Uh, It's only through Jesus. It's only by believing in him. It's only by trusting in him. Uh, It's only by receiving. But what about after you get uh, get in? What about after you're forgiven? Uh, What what about after you enter into the Christian life? What happens then? Okay, okay. And uh, th- there might have been some, some of these Judaizers, these Ju- Jewish Christians who said, you know what, Paul, you're right. Uh, entrance into the Christian life, our justification, uh, as you say, is, it's totally free. It's totally of grace. Okay? But now that you're a Christian, okay, now you need to get to work. Okay? Uh, now you need to be circumcised. Now you need to stop eating pig. <laughs> uh, not, now you need to start keeping the law. And what Paul wants to do is he wants to combat this uh, thought that, you know what, God gives me free forgiveness, uh, he gives me this free grace, but now, now that I'm a Christian, now it's my turn to get to work. Uh, now it's my turn to get to work into progress, uh, in a progress in the Christian life. Uh, now it's all on me, right? Whereas at the beginning, it was all God. God totally gave it to me for free, but now it's, now it, now it's up to me. And that, that's what Paul wants to combat against. And essentially what he wants to say in this passage is it is not simply the initial point of salvation that is of God's grace, but it is all of salvation that is of God's grace. The beginning, the middle, and the end is all a pure gift of God, okay? Now, um, many of us will, will hear that and will say, yes, yes, of course, of course it's all a gift of God, Okay? But implicitly, and sometimes even explicitly, uh, we will think in terms of God gets me in freely, but now it's my, now it's my turn to get to work. And uh, there, there are all sorts of terms, there are all sorts of practices uh, within cultural Christianity, uh, especially in the Bible Belt, uh, that, that give this impression that salvation uh, is free until you get into it, and now, and now it's your turn. Uh, th- there are terms such as, you know, uh, when I get saved, I'm turning over a new leaf. Uh, when, when I get saved, God is giving me a second chance. <laughs> uh, when I get saved, I'm getting off the hook, okay? Uh, now, now, in and of these of themselves, these aren't horrible terms, but they give the impression of uh, God just lets me off, but now it's my turn to keep keep that. Uh, there are also practices uh, that encourage this sort of mindset. You know, as a youth pastor, I see lots of um, rededications, uh, and for those who don't know what, what that is, it's... It, you, know, you, you might have become saved two years ago, uh, but you've sort of fallen off the horse, and, and now you want to rededicate your life to Christ. And again, that, that's not negative uh, in and of itself. Uh, but rededications can become negative uh, because you know, a lot of times when I talk to students and they want to rededicate their lives or they want to get baptized again or something along those, something along those lines, uh, there, there's this impression of, you know, well, I, I, I gave my, my life to Jesus two years ago, <laughs> but I haven't done enough. And I've sort of screwed up, and uh, God's mad at me. So what I want to do is is I want to rededicate my life to Christ, right? Uh, It gives this impression that, you know what, it's really up to me. The impression is God's uh, gift, the the initiation is God's gift, but but, um, now that that the Christian life has started, now it's my work. Um, We even even have this uh, in terms of of life stage. Think about when a high schooler graduates from high school. (laughs) You know, you turn 18. What happens when you turn 18, right? For, for 18 years, you're under your parents' tutelage. They're, they're taking care of you. They're feeding you, okay? And, and, and parents, once teenagers turn 18, they're like, get out, you know? But once, once they turn 18, what happens? Now I'm on my own, right? Now I am finally self-sufficient. Uh, now I go off to college, and I make my own life. And, and everybody says, college kids are not self-sufficient at all. <laughs> I still have to feed them. <laughs> um, but that's the impression. Or, or think, about, think about it uh, uh, when you train for a job. When I was in college, I worked at many, many fast food and, and, and retail restaurants, and all of the trainings were like two weeks long. <laughs> they were horrible. But, but what, what's the point of the training? You train for two weeks, and then what happens? You, you're pushed off on your own. Now, now it's up to you to, to make your way in, in, in this job. Many of us can fall into this understanding of the Christian life as I I get in by a gift, but now I have to earn my keep. Uh, I I get in freely, but now God takes off the training wheels, and I have to become independent, uh, self-sufficient, no longer dependent upon God. God only helps those who help themselves, and so on. Uh, What Paul wants to convince us of in this passage is that there is no such thing as an independent, self-sufficient, have-it-all-together Christian. And specifically, he wants to, to convince us that all of the Christian life, not only at the beginning, but all the way through the end, all the way through our growth in holiness, all the way until we're resurrected with Jesus, all of that is God's sheer gift. That's what Paul wants to convince us of. All right, so we're going to uh, go through three points. Paul's going to convince us uh, in three ways that it's all of grace, as uh, Teresa of Avila famously says, uh, it's all of grace. Okay, and he's going to, here here are our three points this morning. First of all, he's going to tell us about the order of the Christian life. Second of all, he's going to tell us about the power of the Christian life. And then third of all, he's going to talk about uh, Abraham as the example of the Christian life. All right, so the order, the power, and uh, he's going to give an example of the Christian life. So let's go ahead and jump in uh, to our first point, the order of the Christian life. Uh, Paul wants to convince us that salvation is all of grace, and the first way that he does it is by telling us about the order of the Christian life. Now, what, what do I mean here? Well, Paul starts off in Galatians 3 by reminding the Galatians of how they were saved. How did you enter into salvation, Galatians? How did you receive the salvation that comes through Christ? And, and uh, it, it comes through, through two ways. First of all, it comes through hearing the gospel preached, and by hearing that gospel with faith. Here, let's, uh, let's look here at uh, verse 1. Paul says this, O foolish Galatians, uh, who has bewitched you? It is before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Now, what, what is he talking about there? He's talking about his preaching. What, what did Paul do when he went out into the public places? He portrayed Christ as crucified. He presented the gospel that Jesus Christ was crucified for our sins. Right, that he died and that he rose again on the third day. So he's talking about his, his preaching. I preach the gospel to you. Okay? And, and how did the Galatians respond to this preaching of the gospel? Look at, look at verse 2. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Okay? Uh, to, to phrase that differently, how did you respond to the, this, this preaching that I, that I gave to you? Did you do something to receive it? Did you offer a sacrifice did you do a, a, a rain dance? Did you do anything to receive the gospel? And, and the answer is, of course, no. What did they do? They heard in faith, is what Paul says. And what is faith? You know, J, J. Gresham uh, Machen, uh, Presbyterian theologian, he says, faith is simply the open hands receiving God's gifts. Okay? And so Paul says, how, how did you receive salvation? You opened your hands and God placed it there. Right? You, you opened your hands and God gifted you with that salvation. Paul is trying to get the Galatians, these foolish Galatians, to understand the order of salvation. In the order of salvation, God is the great giver. And, and what are we? We are the great receivers, that is, that is the order, and, and, and at no point does that order change. God is the great giver, and we are the great receivers. You know, Luther on his deathbed, he said, I am a beggar. That's, that's all that I know is I'm a beggar. And, and, and what, a, what a beggar, I hold up my hands, and I'm totally dependent upon God's gift. This is the great order of salvation, okay? Now, uh, what does Paul go on to say here in verse 3? This is, this is uh, the most important verse in this passage. He says, Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? What, what does Paul mean there? He says, listen, it began as a gift. Okay. And, and, now, and now what are you trying to do? You're trying to be perfected. You're trying to be sanctified by the flesh. And by that he means by your own power, by your own works, uh, by meriting, by earning, by giving God something. And he says, listen, here's what you have to understand. Uh, if God freely gave you s- salvation at the beginning, I- I- if all you did was hold out your hands, it does not change uh, in the Christian life. Okay? And so th- this is what Paul's trying to do. He's trying to get them to understand the order of the Christian life. It's not. I I open up my hands and I I receive from God, and then I have to start working. It is always and constantly I open up my hands and I receive from God, Uh, including my growth in holiness, including the good works that I do. It is always and constantly opening up my hands and receiving. Okay, all of salvation is reception. All of salvation is God's sheer uh, gift. And not, just, and not just salvation, in general. Uh, God is the great giver. Think about when God created the world. Okay? <laughs> where did Adam and Eve get their first breath? Right? Where, where did they get all the food and the animals and the plants and the trees? It was all given, freely bestowed. Okay? Uh, why are you here this morning? Why are you sitting in your chair? Why are you not uh, sick on your, on, uh, in bed? It's because God gave and you received. Uh, this is the great order that Paul is trying to get us to understand. Uh, it is not simply that God forgives, and now he wants me to pay him back. It is that God forgives, and then he continues to give, and he continues to give, and he continues to give. In the schema of salvation, God is the great giver, and I am the great receiver. Okay. The problem is that we think uh, of the Christian life in terms of me paying God back. Uh, all too often and all too often it's it's out of guilt. You know, on, on I-67 right now, there is a billboard that I despise. I I can't stand it. But I, every time I see it, I shake my fist at it, you know. But but it's it's Jesus dying on the cross and it's him talking. And he said, "I died for you. Now you live for me." <laughs> okay? That that is called a guilt trip, right? <laughs> I suffered all all of this awful stuff for you. Now you live you better live for me now, right? It's 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 thinking of holiness in terms of us paying God back, okay? Uh, it, it it's 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 what is it? It's guilt, okay? And and it reminds me, you know, anytime somebody buys me lunch, and I don't ask for it, you know, so sometimes I ask for it, but but <laughs> if I don't ask for it, and and it's and it's just free, you know. Carter and I went to the Pinto the other day, and he just took out his wallet, paid for it. I always feel this this uh, this inner guilt, <laughs> like. Oh, Dang it! Now he's paying twice as much, you know. And and so what what do I do when it, when when they whenever you hand the card to the waitress or whatever? What 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 do you always say? I'll get you next time. <laughs> okay. Now what what is now that? And that's not necessarily a bad thing. But what are you trying to do? You're trying to balance out the scales, right? You're trying to say, oh I'll 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 make it I'll make good I'll I'll pay for you next time. Okay. <laughs> and we'll go to a better restaurant next time, more expensive, you know. Uh, Sometimes we we think of holiness in in this way, like, oh God, thank you so much for this salvation. I'll I'll hit you back with my holiness, okay? (laughs) Uh, What Paul wants us to understand is there there is no point in salvation where you're paying God back. There is no point uh, in in your justification, in your sanctification, in your glorification. Uh, there, There is no point on the road to heaven where you are paying God anything. Where you're giving God anything that he doesn't already have. God has everything, right? God owns everything. God created everything. You could not give God anything that would make him indebted to you. Uh, uh, It's delusional to think that we could give God anything, that we could earn anything, that we could merit anything, okay? And, you know, as a father of young children, I get this. My daughter, Anya, wants to help with all sorts of stuff. And when she's done helping, she has this proud look on her face like I just helped dad, okay? And, and, and as a 30-year-old man, I can tell you she did not help me at all, okay? <laughs> and, and I'm not trying to down her or anything. She's so cute. But she has no help whatsoever, okay? And for instance, you know, when, when there was one time I took my dog, uh, my dog for a walk. And if any of you have met my dog, he's like 80 pounds. He's huge. Uh, he's uncontrollable. And so my daughter wants to help me take this dog for a walk. And so, and so what do I do? I say, oh, cute, Anya. Okay, you can, hold, you can hold the handle. And what do I do? Do I just let her walk off? You know? No, the dog would drag her down the street. So I, I, grab, I grab the actual leash part while she holds the handle. Okay, Now, she feels very accomplished, but did she help with anything? No! <laughs> she helped with nothing. In fact, she made it harder on me. Um, I love playing with my daughter. I, I'm not trying to say that, but... But the point is that all too often we see the stuff that we do, our giftings, our ministry, our growth, our holiness, we see it as, oh God, I'm bestowing upon you something that you didn't already have. And, and Paul's saying, no. Are you trying to be perfected in the flesh? You can't do that. God is the great giver and you are the great receiver. This is the order of the Christian life. And that's what Paul's trying to convince us of. Let's go ahead and move to the second point here, uh, which is the power of the Christian life. So we, we, uh, we looked at the order of the Christian life. We are always recipients of God's grace from beginning to end. Okay? But now I want to look at the power of the Christian life because the question becomes this. If it's all a gift, not simply our forgiveness, not simply God uh, uh, forgiving us of our sins, but also our growth in holiness, also the things that we do for God is also God's gift to us, how does God accomplish that? How does God accomplish something that comes from within? How does he accomplish our growth? And I want to look here at uh, verses four through five uh, because Paul gives us the answer here. He says, did you suffer so many things in vain if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by the hearing of faith? How does God gift us With our sanctification how does he gift us with growth in the in the spiritual life the answer is that god supplies the spirit okay and 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 think about that word supply you know whenever i worked at at retail stores i had to go get supplies supplies that i didn't already have so paul paul is trying to imply here that god gives something that we don't already have and it is the gift of the holy spirit um, and even more so, what, what does Paul say in verse 5? He says, does God supply the Spirit because of the works of the law? Or does he do it by faith? And, and the answer implied is, he does not do it because of anything you do. He, he doesn't look at Joe and say, you know what, Joe's much more, I'm going to give him, you know. He says, no, all of us are spiritually bankrupt. And he donates, he supplies, he gifts the Holy Spirit to us. And it is this Spirit that enables us to grow in holiness. Now what Paul's doing here is he's speaking in trinitarian terms, okay? And by that I mean all of salvation is a gift of the one holy trinity. Okay? Because our our, our initial salvation, our justification is usually attributed to what? For God so loved the world, you guys can answer this one, that he gave his only son. Okay? And and that's and th- that is a donation that God does. He He loves us, and so what does he do? He donates his son, and the son becomes man and offers himself as a sacrifice for the forgiveness of sins. And then the father raises him up, accepts that sacrifice. But now, God doesn't stop giving after he gifts the son. What what does he do? He so loves that he supplies the power of the Holy Spirit, right? In, In the Gospels, God gives the son, but in Acts, right at the very beginning, God pours out his Holy Spirit. Uh, And so what is Paul trying to say here? God in salvation doesn't just give his son, as if that was was not enough. He gives the Holy Spirit. In other words, all of God is given to all of us to produce all of salvation. Every bit of God is poured out, humbled, condescended to our level, to produce in us what we need to be saved. And God gives the Holy Spirit to produce holiness within us. Now the question is, how does the Holy Spirit do this? And the answer is that the Holy Spirit, you know, Christ is outside of us, and he offers himself outside of us. But what the Holy Spirit does is he comes inside of us, and he gives us the resources and the power and the capacity to do the things that we wouldn't otherwise be able to do. We do not have the power to love God as we ought to. It doesn't matter how how much, you you know, love God, love God. You know, you can hear that all day long. But unless you have the power to do it, you will never do it. And so God gifts us with the Holy Spirit. And I've come up with a bad illustration that I've told the youth for, so I'm gonna tell you too. (laughs) Uh, But the spirit is like an iPhone cord. (laughs) Already a bad illustration. But I've owned iPhones for several years, and I both love and hate them. And and, and the one reason I hate an iPhone is because an iPhone lasts approximately four hours maybe before I have to plug it back in. And so when I go to work, you know, I go for runs in the morning. When I go to work, I'm already at like 50%. (laughs) So I have an iPhone cord at work. I have an iPhone cord in my car. I have an iPhone cord by my couch in my living room. I have iPhone cords everywhere, <laughs> and and so I just plug my iPhone in, and what does it do? It powers the iPhone. Uh, the Holy Spirit is the power cord of God. That's horrible. Don't, don't quote me on that one, but the Holy Spirit is the very power of God poured into our hearts to enable us to do the things that we wouldn't otherwise be able to do, and this is why you know, the Christian uh, tradition is always called, something you know, preaching, the sacraments, the uh, Christian community, the church. They, they said all of these things, uh, reading the Bible, prayer, all of these things are means of grace. And by that they mean they are ways through which the Holy Spirit empowers you to be like Christ. All of the Christian disciplines are ways through which the Holy Spirit, you plug into the Holy Spirit and he empowers you to be like Jesus. Okay, and, and what this means is that your sanctification is just as much by faith as your justification. Right? Your entrance into salvation is by faith, but then your sanctification is by faith because you are dependent upon a power that is outside of you that must come inside of you. And this also informs the way that we do Christian discipline. You know, when I was a young Christian, I didn't know that much about the Holy Spirit. All I do is I should be reading the Bible, I should be praying, I should be going to church, doing that sort of stuff. But I thought that I was doing these things and I was empowering myself to become more holy. And when you think that it's all because of you and your power and your resources, what happens if someone else is not as good as you? (laughs) It's like, oh, you didn't pray two hours today? I did. I'm super holy, you know? But here's what happens. If holiness is produced By a power that is outside of you, that comes inside of you, and gives you capacities and abilities to do what you wouldn't otherwise be able to do. You cannot boast. Your growth in holiness, you have no reason to boast. And this is what St. Augustine said. It's one of my favorite quotes from St. Augustine. He wrote a book called On Grace and Free Will against a, uh, a, a British monk named Pelagius. He's a heretic. And Pelagius said, you know what? You can grow... By your own power and holiness. And some, some people don't even need Jesus. They can just be perfect. And, and, and Augustine's arguing against this. And he says, no, every bit of your life is God's grace. Okay, and let me just read this, this quote here. Augustine says this, if your good merits, and by, and by merits he doesn't mean, uh, he means your growth in holiness. So if, if your good merits are God's gifts, God does not crown your merits as your merits, but as his own gifts. That's a beautiful quote. Because what that that means is that when you get to heaven and and Jesus tells you, you know, good and faithful servant, enter into into thine glory, he's he's not saying, oh, Lucas, you did great, okay? Uh, Joe over here, he he barely made it in, you know. No, When, when, when he looks at the holiness that has been produced in you and he lets you into heaven, what he's really looking at is himself inside of you. And when he crowns you, all of us will receive crowns. All that sort of, He's really crowning his own work. right? When you get into heaven, none of it, none of it will be you. <laughs> none of it will be by your power. Including w- when God forgives you, that's because of what Jesus has done. When God makes you holy, it's because of what the Holy Spirit does. And then uh, here's a quote from Martin Luther. Martin Luther, uh, sort of borrowing from Augustine, he says this, all works must take place within this one work, namely within faith. And the good things that flow into these deeds receive their worth from that faith as a loan. Okay? What, what is he saying? Uh, at no point in the Christian life do you close your, you close your hands. All throughout the Christian life, you're, you're opening your hands and you're receiving. You're receiving. You're receiving. And that's what faith is. Faith is opening the hands to the power of God who's able to save you, and you say, God, don't, don't just give me forgiveness. Now, now give me holiness. <laughs> I, I'm totally dependent upon you. I, I, I need it. And, and Luther says, that's what faith is. Faith is the reception of God's gifts. That's all that it is. And so your growth in holiness is not of yourself. It's all of the Holy Spirit. Okay, and, and, and uh, just very quickly, I want to look here at at Abraham. Paul uh, introduces Abraham, and, and I don't want to get too far in here because uh, Abraham's going to be very important to the rest of the book of Galatians. But he, but he says this. He says uh, in verse five, does he who supplies the Spirit does he do so by works of the law by faith? So he, he gives you this Holy Spirit just like Abraham, who believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Okay? Um, now what, what is Paul doing here? Well, he's, he's offering forth Abraham as an example, of what it means to live by faith in the Christian life. Okay? Now, th- that quote is sort of strange. It doesn't look like it's very pertinent to uh, wh- wh- what we've been talking about here, which is growth in the Christian life, um, until you look at uh, where Paul is quoting that from. Paul is quoting uh, from Genesis 15. And Genesis 15 is, is uh, uh, midway into Abraham's spiritual journey. Okay, So, uh, in, in Genesis 12 years ago, years before that, uh, Abraham had become a believer. God made a promise to Abraham and he believed. And he, and he uh, uh, followed God. Uh, and so he had already become a believer in, in Genesis 12. And Paul is quoting Genesis 15. And in Genesis 15, what, what do we find Abraham doing? We find him, again, believing the promises of God. Now, what that means is that Abraham uh, didn't say in in Genesis 12, you know, I have believed the promises of God, now I'm going to get to work. (laughs) What it means is that all throughout his Christian life, if we can call it that, all throughout his spiritual life, what was Abraham doing? He was depending upon the promises of God. In other words, all of the good stuff that Abraham did Right? And Abraham did a, a lot of great stuff. So he was a pagan when God saved him. And God said, I promise this to you, now go. And Abraham believed God, and he went away from his land into a land that he did not know. Right? Abraham uh, obeyed God in sacrificing his one and only son. And God stopped him right at the, at the sacrifice. Right? A- Abraham did all of these righteous deeds. But the question is, how did he do them? And what Paul's trying to say is he didn't do them in his own power. He did them by believing and depending upon the promises of God. In other words, Abraham is the example of what it means to live in utter and constant dependence upon God. At no point in his, in his uh, spiritual life did he say, I got this. He always and constantly depended upon God. Okay, And so he is an example of what it means to grow in grace, to grow in grace does not mean to move away from dependence upon God. It does not mean to graduate. Okay, it means to always depend upon God, and that means that all of your growth comes from God. And if you've ever been a Christian, I'm almost done for, for any amount of time, you know that growth in the spiritual life, it, it it it's 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 not linear. It's always like up and down and all around. It, it looks like this big messy ball of yarn just you know just it, it's it's just messy okay i actually saw this this gif or gif i don't remember on facebook of and it's not funny but it's this old guy who's going up an escalator and he fell down but the escalator still was going up so he fell over but the escalator was still uh lifting him up to the top and 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 the uh, the, the meme said this is christian sanctification okay and and by that is it is it, it, what it's trying to say is, when you grow in, in in holiness, it's not because you're amazing. You screw up all the time. Uh, you're you're a, you're a mess up. You're 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 a failure. Just like just like Abraham was, and yet God is taking us somewhere, and and that means that we have to. And that doesn't mean that we don't try. God isn't against effort. He's against earning. But the, the whole point is that God is the one that's taking us there. We aren't the one that climbing up all the way to heaven. God is the one who is now empowering us by the power of the Holy Spirit to get to where we need to be. And, and, and that's all of grace. And uh, so praise God for that. Let's pray. Father, we thank you uh, for the power of grace that you don't just start us by grace, but you finish us by grace. Uh, you don't just get us part of the way there and leave us on our own. You complete us. You empower us with the Holy Spirit. You give us the power and the abilities to do the things that we wouldn't otherwise be able to do. And so, Father, help us to not look at ourselves, but to look outside of ourselves to your power, to your ability, to your redemptive grace, to your transformative uh, power within us. And help us to grow uh, more and more holy by your power. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen.